Well, today I'm going to speak with a black pastor, a white pastor. They work in the same state, serve the same God. We'll talk about the things that unite us and that try to divide us. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, one of the things that I talk about constantly is let's have a conversation. Let's sit and listen to one another. For me, it starts with listening. For me, it starts with hearing what others have to say, processing, and then sharing my perspective. And right now, in the midst of massive division in America, certainly as bad as, if not worse than any division I've ever seen in my lifetime, and I'm 65 now and lived through the tumultuous 60s, We must have these conversations. We must speak to people from different perspectives, backgrounds, ethnicity, skin color, and talk about issues that unite us and issues that could potentially divide us. So I'm joined today on the air by Pastor Shane Eidelman. Shane and I have become good friends in the last few years. Shane has a great heart for revival. Uh, He is the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship. I had the joy of preaching there, actually, the very beginning of this year, I think it was, that, that we were there. Got to meet Shane and his family. And uh, Shane suggested, why don't we have a conversation on the air where, uh, as Shane is, is, is a white American, why don't we get a, a black pastor on as well and have a conversation where we ask some tough questions, we see areas where we can have misunderstanding, we probe for different ways where we can work together. So... We're going to be joined in a moment also by Pastor Billy Nettles. I don't know Pastor Nettles, but he's got an amazing bio. Uh, Born in the South, raised throughout the United States, is a part of an Army family, then enlisted in the Army himself as a believer, Uh, was based in Germany for a period of time and uh, with his family. And then he returned to U.S., settled in California, began a career in law enforcement. Fascinating where he uh, rose to the rank of field director with the Los Angeles County Probation Department. Uh, By vocational pastor, he served in various ministry capacities for approximately 36 years, and he's currently serving as associate teaching pastor and missionary to Haiti. So we are uh, getting Pastor Nettles on the other line, just having a slight problem connecting. In the meantime, uh, Pastor Shane, welcome back to the line of fire. How you doing, man? Welcome. It's good to be here in warm, warm Southern California. Yeah, so how has COVID-19 impacted you and your church? Well, we're waiting to connect with Pastor Billy. Let's talk about that. Well, it was uh, definitely interesting. I mean, we, like everyone else, you know, shut down for the first 15 days and then obviously shut down again when the president uh, encouraged churches to do that. We didn't want to be part of the problem. You know, you want to be part of the solution. Uh, but then as time went on, and uh, our governor here in California made certain statements, and we looked at the stats, and we talked to medical experts, and you know, we decided to reopen with a lot of churches in California, Jack Hibbs and, and a lot of others, on uh, Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, but we've still been following the social guidelines, you know, distancing guidelines, all the, the criteria that they ask. You know, we thought if Home Depot can open and Lowe's and, <laughs> and Costco 
the churches should be able to open too. So we've been open about four weeks now, and uh, the services have, have just been powerful. People are are hungry for God, but you're finding, I'm sure you'll see this uh, across the board, is a lot of people aren't returning. Uh, most most people are not returning to church as far as 40, 50, 60 percent. Um, and we're seeing about 30 percent, 40 percent not returning, but also picking up a lot of new people coming that are really just hungry for more of God. So that's where we're at right now. And I think Billy's on now, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, almost, almost. We're almost, still... Okay. No, in, in fact, I'm watching our line here. We've probably tried to connect about 10 times so far. So I'm not sure what's happening, but we will we will connect soon okay. enough. And, uh, and Shane, what are you seeing in terms of online hunger, interest, people watching broadcasts, numbers compared to, to before the, the uh, pandemic? Uh, is that an indication of spiritual hunger, what you're seeing? Well, it's ironic you said that because the first, I think, well, I'll, I'll never forget March 14th. I left Burbank Airport, flew into Dallas, got a text on the tarmac that, that my speaking engagement has been canceled. So waited in the airport for nine hours and flew back home to Burbank. That was yeah. an interesting day. So I'll never yeah. forget that. But ever since that point, um, our, on, our online numbers uh, went up dramatically. I think we had close to a million views, sermon views, on Facebook. Uh, you can track it there on your views. Now, how many playthroughs? We're about a quarter million. Um, so obviously you don't get as many playthroughs. But, you know, that was showing the hunger through the end of March, April. And then around the end of May, um, you know, things started. Actually, the numbers, the online viewing dropped about 50, 60, 70 percent. So I don't know if people are just getting comfortable again or they're back to their churches. Um, but definitely the online presence has grown incredibly strong. But as you know, it's always good to be there in person. Oh, yeah. Often in your pajamas, sipping your latte. So, but God uses that too. We've we've never heard from so many people in the last two months than we have, I think, in the last decade of our ministry, uh, and, from people all over just being touched. So that's positive. Yeah, and and what what about what about being in California, and uh, just the 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 state there being one of the more liberal states in the nation. The the governor, when he was mayor of San Francisco decided to, to issue marriage certificates for same-sex couples. I mean, this was years ago. So Gavin Newsom has been quite a pioneer in, in that regard in ways that we would really differ with. What's it like being a pastor in California? Do you feel you've got great churches, some of the finest mega churches in the, in the country and, and fine networks of churches, but do you, uh, do you feel even more like a, a rejected minority in the state? Well, right now, uh, we're in interesting times because they are watching the churches pretty carefully as far as COVID and um, what we're saying and different things. And I'm actually in Los Angeles County, so not only in California, but in Los Angeles County, about 60 miles north of Hollywood. So right now, I think COVID and the protesting, all that has really kind of distracted uh, a lot of people, you know, looking at the church as far as nitpicking. Um, But for us, you know, it hasn't been that difficult uh, yet. I mean, there's there's legislation coming down the pipe. There's uh, people that are hostile to the gospel. Um, but overall, I think we have to remember that, that God is working in California. And I run into people all the time. They're like, how can you pastor in California? How can you? Well, if God's called you to, to a place, you know, you, you, you make a big difference in that place. So I, I think personally that we're seeing God's his safety, his shelter, protection, his covering. Um but, yeah, we get the negative emails, we get the editorials in our local paper, uh, we get, you know, those people that are obviously upset at what we're doing. But overall, I think God's grace has been incredibly profound that I've seen. 
great. And at long last, Pastor Billy Nettles, the delay in getting you on at least allowed me to read your amazing biography, sir. So thanks for joining us thanks on the air today. Great to be with you. Thank you you for having me. Yes, so... Great to be with you. Thank you. Yes, so what what I really want to do with you two brothers on the line is is to have the kind of conversations that, that we need to do as the church in America in the midst of great division and, and, and racial discord and unrest and pain. So, um, Pastor Nettles, do you feel that by and large, and this is a, a very general question, sir, but that by and large, Black Americans see America differently than white Americans do? I mean, a very obvious, basic question, but your honest perspective. Uh, again, thank you for having me, uh, Dr. Brown. And yes, uh, to answer that question, black people have a different lens, and their lens is a historical lens. It is a lens that has been uh, shaded, jaded by um, a... Uh, a perspective that um, has been uh, has so many variables that have that have contributed uh, to the uh, to the sense of uh, margin being marginalized, being um, um, seen uh, as not even uh, as salvable second class citizens, like mm-hmm. you know, like we're being like. Anything that you that any any thing that you get that uh, is normal in terms of the being assimilated into the mainstream, uh, it's a, it's almost like you know if you, a favor is being done to you. It's something that uh, we're supposed to have as Americans, but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like it, it's a favor to you. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, it it certainly does. Uh, let me let me ask a, a second question, which is, does the Black Lives Matter movement speak for you and your Christian friends? The Black Lives Matter movement, and I think that this is the problem that with with especially with uh, with regards to the qualification that you just made uh, to me and my my Christian friends. Um, the Black Lives Movement uh, is not just a organization. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a it's a, a statement. So, and what the problem is that people conflate the statement and the organization. Exactly. Exactly. I, there are tenants. There are tenants that is, that are being espoused by the Black Lives Movement uh, that I may not agree with, but I certainly agree with the statement. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I not only do I agree with it, but uh, full throated agree with it. Uh, but I I don't necessarily agree with all the tenets. I don't think there is any uh, movement or organization now that is monolithic in that sense anymore. Not just Black Lives Matter, but you can choose whatever movement, and people may may agree uh, with uh, what they want and not agree how to get there or agree with the methods that are being chosen to get there. But I certainly full-throated agree with 
just the, the with that mantra, Black Lives Matter. Got it. And we're, again, just getting started, I'm speaking with Pastor Billy Nettles and Pastor Shane Eidelman, and we're, we're going to make sure we ask questions so we're not like ships passing each other in the night. Uh, Pastor Shane, Pastor Billy, friends, we're united in Jesus. So I, I want to probe so that we can put issues on the table for the purpose of better understanding so we, the church, can, can bring a message of life, healing, reconciliation, justice to the society instead of just reacting to the world around us. Hey, friends, just a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube live stream or Facebook live stream, there's a donate button. As you click on that, your support of any size makes a great, great difference. We know by God's grace, we reach a lot of people every week, but very few stand with us. So if you could be among those, that would be amazing. So right on your Facebook page or on YouTube, you're watching on live stream just click to stand with us today thanks it's the line of fire with your host dr michael brown get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown I'm speaking with two California pastors, Pastor Shane Eidelman, Pastor Billy Nettles, one a white pastor, one a black pastor. I bring that up because we really want to talk through issues that divide us, issues that unite us, and have constructive interaction as brothers together in the Lord. I want to get back to Pastor Shane in a moment, but Pastor Billy, a lot of white Americans don't understand why you need to shout out Black Lives Matter. And if we say all lives matter, that that is, is a slight or a slap in the face. So what I realize a lot of my white friends miss is the idea that for many black Americans, there's the perception that a black life does not matter, that a black life can be taken illegally and the, the legal system will then go ahead and defend it so that no one's arguing the all lives matter question. So why can that be a frustration? Someone's well-meaning. It's like, hey, all lives matter. But that can that can be perceived as kind of a slap in the face to the black community. Could, could you articulate that a little more for us? Yeah, let me, let me say this. When someone says black lives matter, first of all, it is, um, it is not to say that all lives don't matter. Now, there, this is a biblical model. Jesus gave us a parable where the shepherd left the 99 for one. Mm-hmm. He didn't leave the 99 because they didn't matter. He left the 99 because the one needed him. The one was in trouble. The one needed to be uh, rescued. So that's that is a biblical model uh, of, of uh, the mantra, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. For someone to respond to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter is tantamount to say a, a mother is, uh, is eulogizing her child. She's saying, oh, you know, she's at the funeral. And she's saying, oh, this, this, this child was, was so wonderful to me. I mean, he would make me uh, breakfast, even though he burned the toast in the morning, but he would make me breakfast, and he was just a wonderful child, and I really loved my child. And 
Well, our children are nice too. That's absurd. You see, it does not. You, what, what white America who has a problem with someone saying that Black Lives Matter, it, they have to ask themselves, why does that bother me so much? Why, why does it bother you that uh, uh, an individual will say Black Lives Matter? What, what is it that uh, vexes you? What, why, does that, why, does that, why is that provocative? I would trade, Dr. Brown. You want to trade with me and, and, and you, you take the saying Black Lives Matter and I take the, the, the privilege that I don't have to say Black Lives Matter? I'll trade with you. I don't want to be out marching in the sun and the street declaring something that ought to be obvious, that I matter. I'll trade with you. You, you, you take the mark. You take the mantra, and I'll take the privilege. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and Pastor Billy, I think the, the thing that is helpful for many white Americans to understand, especially evangelicals, that you want to love the Lord and love your neighbor, and I, I want to go to Pastor Shane in a moment, that the, the thing that is important is to understand why it needs to be said. In other words, there, that's the blind spot for many, many white Americans. Like, of course Black Lives Matter. Who would think otherwise? <laughs> that's the whole thing. What, many people do think otherwise, and there's a history that says otherwise, and that's why it gets shouted out. So, of course, I want to come back to you, Pastor Billy, and thank you for your directness. That's exactly why I asked you to be on the air. So thank you for your directness and your candor. Uh, so, so, Pastor Shane, many times white evangelicals will look at what's happening. They'll see the extreme elements of, of, of the riots, of, of the, some of the extreme platform statement of Black Lives Matter. They will see other forces involved, you know, now defacing a statue of George Washington, whatever. And there's a there's a feeling uh, as if something's being co-opted, and I want to stand with you, but others are pushing me away. What are you trying to work through now as a pastor, heart for unity, heart for reconciliation, heart for working together? If, if you can't buy into a certain thing, when can you stand with your brothers? What are you trying to work through right now as a godly pastor in the midst of this? Well, I think I can answer that and maybe answer a few things that Billy said, too. But it's, it's good that the listeners know that actually Billy's a friend of mine. He pastors, uh, helps pastor church 20 minutes from, from me, and we've known each other many years. So, um, But this is definitely bringing out a lot of raw emotions on both sides because, um, of obviously, of what's going on. But I do want to just comment on a few things and then get to your question, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and again, I think we do need to listen more than we speak. I think as white people, we need to give Pastor Billy 30 minutes and me 20. You know, we, we got to listen more than we speak in this area. Um, but I don't have a problem, you know, saying Black Lives Matter whatsoever. Um, but I guess from not only my perspective, but if you look at Vody Bachman, uh, Candace Owens, Marcus Rogers, even our own associate pastor here, Pastor Abram Thomas, you know, all, all black men and women, solid men and women of God. Here's, and I think I'm speaking for most of them, here's our issue, Black Lives Matter, but it's hard to believe that when they, nobody acknowledges the black police officers that were shot. Nobody acknowledges the 13 blacks recently killed in Chicago, one being a three-year-old. So to me, it looks like, you know, you look at the, the militant, um, and if you just reach research the history, the militant aspect of Marxism through the Black Lives Matter movement, the push for homosexuality and lesbianism, the 
the deconstruction of the family union uh, unit, and there's no forgiveness or, or redemption. It, it's a black empowerment movement. So we do have to look through a different lens, and it has to be the lens, a biblical lens. Uh, so my concern is that many are not looking through a biblical lens. They're looking through uh, a secular lens and kind of being drawn away by this, because our only hope is repentance and forgiveness. It's not in protesting, although I'm, I'm supportive of that. It's not in uh, all the things that are going on. Uh, our, our only hope is in forgiveness and repentance and talking to each other and understanding where uh, everyone is coming from. And for me, it looks like they're targeting an entire ethnic group with a crime that we did not commit. Uh, and to say 99%, you know, what about the 1%? They needed Jesus, right, but what about the, the innocent children being aborted, the black children? And that's why Planned Parenthood was created, if you look at the history and and what they need. So my thought is, yes, Black Lives Matter. And I see what Billy's saying is when you say, but all lives matter, then you actually remove the element of, hey, no, we have to point out the, the, the black racism against blacks in our community. And it seems to, when you say all lives matter, it seems to kind of throw that under the bus. And like it, it's almost like an excuse to move on from that. So I think they do matter. I think protests are great. I think black pastors and, and people across the United States need to come together and be united. Uh, but I see plenty of protests, but no prayer meetings. And so that's, I think, my concern is we cannot support a movement like Black Lives Matter because of all the, the uh, what they stand for, everything I just listed. So I'd love to come together with biblical understanding and move forward. But, you know, that, that's the issue uh, at hand right now. So what are we doing? Um, I don't know if Billy's supposed to be at it, and I, I'm not going to make it, but at 1 o'clock today we had pastors coming together, black and white, and talk about ra- racial reconciliation. So we're all on the same page. We're all in this together. Um, you know, I've been I, I've been praying. Or we've been having prayer meetings at our church every day, uh, two hours a day for, on this issue. So we are doing a lot behind the scenes. We just can't gravitate towards a movement that really seems to be anti-God in every single area. And you look at the fruit that's being produced. Look at the fruit that's being produced. Our police officers are being demeaned and, and disrespected. People are being beat up in grocery stores, in Macy's. We, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a good direction. I don't think this is a healthy direction. Granted, something needs to change. Um, and I think another question out there, I won't keep long. I want to you know, let, give Billy more time. But, um, you know, we, we see, okay, yeah, this, whatever happened in Minneapolis was a travesty. I couldn't even watch the whole video. But the officer was charged, probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail, and so were those there. So we see, okay, justice is served. We need to change the uh, arrogance or the racism in some of the policemen. Well, that has changed through the gospel, not through protest. Not, what we're doing now is not going to change our, the heart of our nation whatsoever. You cannot force laws upon people, but you can change the heart. So that's my passion, is to get the... Uh, the, the um, the gospel to officers, and we have many officers that go to our church and LAPD, uh, LA County Sheriff. I personally don't know any racists. Of course, there are, but what they say, Shane, we're dealing with white people and Hispanic, Asian, but no, it, the, the color doesn't matter. It's constantly eight, twelve hours a day of dealing with the, the you know, just this, just tons of, of animosity and 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 strife, and it just it really can wear on a person. So. Um, I, I don't know what the solution is other than looking to Christ and being united in the hope of the gospel, but that's my two cents on uh, why we cannot support Black Lives Matter, uh, even many uh, black right. people can't support it. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in. Pastor Billy, we have a break, but I'm just going to let you talk as long as you need to talk 
to share your perspective when we come back. So I'll, you're, you're going to have a, a nice extended segment. I'm sure there are a bunch of things you want to address. I, I just say this one. Th- I just want to say this this one thing. And we, then we have a break, and I come back, turning things straight over to Pastor Pastor Nettles. Uh, some black friends said to me, "Make sure that our support of the statement Black Lives Matter is louder than our criticism of the Black Lives Matter movement." And that sounds like wisdom to me. The challenge is when the the movement or what's happening in society, and and much of it is from all different quarters, is so disruptive and negative, can we make sure that we are saying what needs to be said, the positive, the righteous, the biblical, saying that more loudly? Can our standing together with our black brothers and sisters in black America right now at a time of pain, can that be louder than our opposition to these radical elements in the movement? We come back, we're going to hear from Pastor Nettles, an extended sharing of his heart. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. If you're tuning in just now, Michael Brown here speaking with two Christian leaders in California, both in pastoral ministry, one also in law enforcement with that background as well. And one is a black pastor, one is a white pastor. And the reason for this discussion at such a time as this is is quite obvious. So Pastor Billy Nettles and Pastor Shane Eidelman. Uh, Pastor Billy, I just want to set things up, and then you speak in, until you're done sharing your heart, all right? But there are frustrations many times that the, the black Christian community has with the white Christian community saying, you're not hearing us, you're not understanding, you're discounting history. But Pastor Shane raised a question that often comes up, we hear Black Lives Matter, but then we hear of so many shootings in inner city or a little child killed or things like that or a black cop killed. We think, don't all black lives matter? So, again, these are, these are questions that come up. I want you to address these. I know you're going to speak freely from your heart, but address the questions. Address some of the things that Pastor Shane is saying so that I want to make sure that we hear a perspective and that's what we do often on talk radio here. Listen, I've been doing that for years, and it's helped me immensely. So please share your heart freely with us, sir. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. First of all, I'd like to say that, yeah, I, I, I have 30 years of experience in law enforcement. Actually, I have not, I've been bivocational. I have not retired uh, yet. I'm looking to retire tomorrow. I don't know, but um, let me say that, um, this is not about black people against law enforcement. Uh, it's not about black people against anybody. It's about mm-hmm. black people for black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shane said something that I, I, I want to take issue with. He said something to the effect that black empowerment uh, was not uh, working or that it wasn't viable or that it wasn't uh, fruitful or that it wasn't uh, righteous or whatever. But black empowerment is not Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter does, is, is not all-encompassing of what black empowerment is. And it does not represent uh, all of the totality of the voices of the black community. Um, one of the things that chafes really, really uh, bad with black folks, and it has historically, is that 
you know, he mentioned, Shane mentioned some names. He talked about Dr. Bodie and, and, and Candace Owens and these folks and how great these people are. These people don't certainly don't speak for the black community. I, and I love uh, Dr. Bodie, by the way. I, I love him. I, I appreciate his, his biblical uh, 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 death and his, his, his moorings. Uh, uh, but I, I take tremendous issue with the fact that uh, some of these folks who have, uh, uh, even if there are some of the things that they are saying are true, are not, are not said with the right spirit. Uh, the Bible says what we say should be seasoned with grace. And certainly it chased with the black community. Uh, uh, if, if Candace Owens certainly is not, uh, doesn't, ha- doesn't have no biblical mooring. She has some conservative mooring. And, and, and how, how often in America are we conflating conservatism with, with, uh, with some biblical uh, uh, credibility? That doesn't, just because you're conservative, that doesn't give you biblical credibility. I'm neither a, a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, I vote my Christian conscience, but I certainly know that it is important that uh, for us in the black community that we don't we don't want the status quo giving us our leaders or telling us who is credible leaders. And when you start mentioning these people and riddling all people that uh, that support your uh, perspective, then. Of course, it's going to take with the black community. Now, as far as the rioting and 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 and, and all of those things, I, I stand uh, wholeheartedly with the protest. I condemn violence. I don't. I don't. Not only don't I condone it, I condemn it. I condemn violence. I condemn uh, vandalism. I condemn theft. I condemn those things. I don't agree with it. I understand the frustration that drives that. Now, some of those people that are that are doing that crazy stuff uh, and and doing those unrighteous things, those are that's because and, and Sean said I agree with him. This is an issue that is way past cognitive stuff. This is this is visceral. This is gut. This is heart stuff. That uh, people's hearts need to be changed. But let me tell you something. I I when people out there protesting, it does accomplish something. Now. While I'm, while that man who I'm waiting for his heart to change, uh, his knee is on my neck. I'm waiting for his heart to change. Now that's going to take some time. Legislation won't make his heart change, but it'll make him get his knee off my neck. So the protests are fruitful. Now, um, I'm not, we're not asking you to support the Black Lives Movement. Again, people are conflating the movement and the mantra. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not uh, on board with all of the tenets of Black Lives Movement, but I certainly support the mantra. And I want to share something with you um, that I think is is my. This is my heart. I, I, I'm more concerned, as, as most black folk are, about the, the threat posed to my health and, and general well-being by racism and injustice in America than I ever was or will be about COVID-19. 
ez as I am a, 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 a sportsman, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a weapons enthusiast, and, and two of my very dear friends, who I would characterize as uh, pacifists when it comes to weapons, asked me for advice on the purchase of one. If you looked up the word peace, their picture would be there with them throwing up a peace sign. And, and their inquiry uh, gave me impetus for, for thought. I mean, I, it kind of boggled my mind. I figured that if what these men have and are experiencing here recently caused them to not just reconsider their need for protection, but also to reframe their whole ideology about protecting themselves, that they've experienced some really deep trauma. Now, these men are educated, and, 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 and they hold uh, influential positions in their place of employment. And I only bring that up to say this. Now, they have a great deal of experience uh, navigating their environment. And, and in, in these environments, they are uh, the minority. But now even these men who have the experience of, of dealing with uh, being the only black person or the first black person, even these men are now on the balls of their feet and at high alert. What is the mental, if, if these men with all of these tools are, 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 are pushed into uh, that mindset, what is the mental and emotional condition of black people who have not been fortunate enough to have their life experiences. Then I began to think of myself. It made me think of me. I'm a pastor in a rather large, multi-ethnic church, and being bivocational in law enforcement, uh, I also serve as a manager in law enforcement and very uh, in the largest uh, probation department in the world. I hold advanced degrees that has brought me into spaces that were not necessarily meant to accommodate my melanin-infused uh, self. I've been the first black this and the only black that far too many times. And I'm experienced at, I, I would say I'm experienced at, at the art of brokering culture. But even I am tired. I'm tired because I not only have to deal with the tasks that are presented in the space, in my space, in the space that I live in, but I also have to deal with the specter of race that demands that I prove I deserve to be there. I, I, uh, Dr. Brown, I recently facilitated the communion at our church's Sunday gathering, and uh, it, it, it was emotional. It, it became a watershed moment for me. Mm -hmm. I felt the weight and wear on my soul, and I wept. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I felt like I, I, I gave up some power when I wept, but my soul was tired. I, I, I didn't weep because I, I, I feel inferior. Anyone who knows me knows that I love me for me. I love, love the skin that I'm in, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I, 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 didn't, I don't have esteem issues. Some might even argue that I think too highly of myself. And by the way, the jury's still out on that. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I didn't weep because I want to be assimilated into America's uh, "We Like You" club. I don't. I'm not trying to be uh, accepted like uh, Bodie or Candace Owens or any of those guys that that Shane mentioned. I didn't weep because I want to be accepted and, and assimilated into America's club. I have a loving wife and and a family who support and know my worth. I attend a church and live in a community that, though far from perfect, genuinely affirms my value and considers my leadership as credible. No, I'm going to tell you why I wept, Dr. Brown. I wept simply because my soul is tired. And if someone like me with all of these positive elements to bolster them up and and give them uh, hope, if I'm traumatized to tears, what about those who are struggling? What about that marginalized brother who is unemployed with a family to feed or that sister who deals with the double weight of disenfranchisement because she's black and a woman? What must they be feeling right now? Please hear me when I say that if the people marching and protesting, and they are not just black folk, they are of all races, if they are willing to take their chances with COVID-19, it is sending a strong message of their priorities. You see, the, the message I hear clearly is they want relief from what they consider and what I see as oppressive weight of racism and systemic inequity. And they believe that the virus of racism in our country is a greater threat to their health than is COVID-19. Hey, I've, I've got to jump in, sir. I appreciate your eloquence. I, I think you have given some insight into some critically important areas. You want to love your neighbors yourself. Try to get your neighbor's skin. If you can't get that far, listen to your neighbor. We'll be right back with Pastor Shane on the other side. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends. Michael Brown here. A couple weeks back, Pastor Shane Eidelman said, hey, why don't we come on the air? He's a white pastor. Why doesn't he get one of his colleagues, a black pastor, to have a dialogue discussion of, of key issues where, where we need to hear each other? And I've said for years, say, let's, let's just put it on the table. I'm going to be candid with you, be candid with me. And if, if what I say is offensive, just let's, let's hear each other. Let's, let's be honest. Let's speak candidly. And um, uh, Pastor Nettles, just to let you know, with talk radio often going back and forth, I don't remember uh, just giving a whole segment over for someone to speak and share their heart. So thank, thanks for being so, so eloquent and clear. Uh, Pastor Shane, you and, you and Pastor Billy are friends. You worked in the same city, and yet our life perspective, upbringing, experience, very different. What were you thinking as, as Pastor Billy was sharing, and, and what do you want to say in terms of interacting, response, adding to? Well, and I'll just, I won't keep us long, because I know what Billy has to say actually right now is we need to be listening more than speaking. But I want to just remind all of us that the Holy Spirit's not divided. I think we forget that. So the Holy Spirit and Pastor Billy, the Holy Spirit and me, the, you know, is not divided. So we need to find out where that division is coming from. Um, something that I've experienced uh, just firsthand recently is I've actually asked a half, about a half dozen black pastors in the last few weeks 
I would send them, let's say, Black Lives Matter. Uh, their leaders came out saying we're militant, you know, and all the. And so I say, hey, have you heard this? Is this true? And nobody responds. Nobody wants to talk about it. So it, it to me, it kind of sends the message that they're, in many regards, they're not open to hearing the other side. Now, that could just be my skewed opinion, but nobody on that side wants to be challenged with some of these issues. And I agree with Pastor Billy, Bodie, Candace, Marcus, they don't speak for the whole black community, but I will tell you this, they speak for a very large portion of the black community because no one voice speaks. Is it Al Sharpton speaking for the black? Of course not. We have to look at different voices. And what these voices are saying, Bodie, Candace, Marcus, whenever I send it to black people, they don't want to hear what they're saying. So my plea is that we all be more open and teachable. I think that's what we're missing, the aspect of humility. Um, and also, all of us are experiencing the need for protection. Billy's absolutely right. I've never felt more stress in ministry in the last three months than I have in all of my life. Uh, there's, a, there's a park right by his church uh, that I can no longer go to after 5 p.m. with my son. Uh, we're walking around, you know, feeling the same amount of tension. Uh, now, granted, it's not to the same scale because of the history of America. I got it. But to say that, that white people are not experiencing this massive upheaval and are, are concerned, we're feeling it as well. Um, so, you know, that's just my two cents. I think, you know, what would relief look like? Like Billy says, we need relief. And what would relief look like? And the protesters, you know, I agree, you should be able to go out and protest part of our, our government. But he, he, he says, look at the fruit of the protest. And that's what I say to look at the fruit that is being produced. How can we, but I don't have the answer. I don't think anybody does right now, because there's not a Black Lives Movement that is more biblically centered. And I think that's our only hope. The heart has to change. Uh, we're seeing an uprising crime. We're seeing an, uh, just a huge, uh, massive amount of, of abuse from people being beat up for the skin color in a in Macy's just recently or in a, uh, in a grocery store or, or an elderly man being pushed off the bus and actually dying. And you're just seeing this huge uh, just civil unrest. So personally, I don't think the, the Black Lives Matter is the answer. Um, however, how can we make that point that black lives do matter? We, our nation is, is, is uh, you know, out of control. Um, but I'm also a little frustrated at the history. Why tear down statues when you, you look at Auschwitz, for example? They kept that up to remind us of our evil, to remind us of our sin. And many of the founding fathers, I have three pages in my book, One Nation Above God, actually fought for the abolition of slavery. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant, they removed his, stand, his statue, but Lincoln put him in charge of the Northern Army to wipe out this. So I, 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 sometimes I think that we're just not looking at history through the correct lens, that this is a fallen a nation, that there are many people that don't know God, and that, that's our only hope. My only hope is the gospel and getting hearts to change and, and you know, not going back and forth and, and uh, trying to, you know, say, say the same talking points. And finally... Um, when Billy mentioned, you know, conservative ideals, like with Candace, but if conservative ideals line up with scriptural truth, I think we need to listen to those ideals. Uh, so it's not about political parties, but it is about what does the Bible say about all of these different issues. All right, so Shane, I, I appreciate sharing that perspective as well. And obviously we could go on for many hours, and we need to. And uh, Pastor Billy, for each point that was raised, you know, each each time— it's triggering a bunch of things that we want to respond to. Here's what we have to do, because we've got barely five minutes. Let's, let's dig down. Sir, you're involved in law enforcement. 
you mentioned systemic inequity. We all agree that the, the, the Bible is a book of, of justice and compassion. We together condemn violence. Together we shout out, yes, black lives do matter. Let everyone feel that, know that. If you were going to suggest actual changes that needed to take place within law enforcement, just speak to that for a few minutes. We got literally four and a half minutes. If you were going to say, okay, here's an idea of things we need to address and change, speak to that. Uh, thank you, Dr. Brown. Um, let me say uh, this before I, I, I do that. Shane uh, uh, said that Candace Owens and uh, Bodie and a few of those people speak for large contingencies of, black, of the black community. That's not true. Uh, they don't. Uh, However, I appreciate a lot. Uh, like I said, Bodhi is one of my favorite preachers and theologians, but that's not true that they speak for a large contingency of. Actually, they they're considered uh, pariahs for the most part. Uh, as far as um, law enforcement is concerned, I would love to see. And this is nothing new, uh, Doctor Brown. Mm-hmm. Community policing. That that's nothing new that the people that um, hold the people in the community accountable come from the community. You see, it's hard to uh, for me to have been in law enforcement as long as I have. I, I think most of the times where I have been effective, it has been when I was able to uh, relate to the story of the people that, uh, that I got involved when I was able to, um, to, to, and I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm, I'm pretty much a disciplinarian, and so some people might even be surprised to hear that coming from me, but I certainly, I believe in holding people accountable, I believe in the rule of law, but how can you believe in the rule of a law that is not uh, equitably dispensed when people uh, of color? Uh, are being incarcerated at a higher rate, uh, and they are a, a, a lower percentage of the population. When uh, the crimes that are more uh, uh, associated with uh, people of color and in that community uh, have uh, a higher uh, uh, rates of incarceration, a higher, I'm sorry, sentencing, higher, longer uh, sentencing. sentencing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and, and it's obvious. I mean, you look at uh, the, the old standard that, that, that has come up time and time again with crack cocaine and, and, and powder cocaine. They're, they're both destructive. They're both illegal. And yet they carry different sentencing, and, but they are associated with different groups of folks. And so, I, I you know, it, it takes me back to when uh, to the Jim Crow laws when uh, it, 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 vagrancy was, was illegal and they used that. To in, in 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 prison black men because they couldn't get jobs, so they imprisoned them, and and they ended up going back to the slaveholders that that had to release them and work for them, and the government got the few cents that they made each day, and and they still got free labor. So I mean, like I said at the onset, uh, Dr. Brown, the lens through which uh, black people are seeing. Uh, how uh, America has handled them is historical. 
and it is uh, we th- in order to uh, rewrite, and I don't mean R E W R I T E. I mean R I G H D. How do we write these wrongs? How do we re uh, do this ugliness? We've got to admit that we've been wrong. Even in evangelical circles, Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards, you know, was a great revivalist and, and, and ushered in uh, a, move, a movement of God. But this guy who preached against, I mean, you got to be real, he preached against uh, uh, things that were wrong, but he, he, he owned slaves. He, one of his first slaves that he bought was a 14-year-old black girl. Look at history, man. I mean, it, and don't let history be his story. Let it be history. Don't let it be his story. That's how, in black America, that's how we see history. It's only told, it's, it's his story. It's your story. It's, it's not the story. Yeah, so and, and, yeah and my brother, I, I apologize. I've, I've just got to jump in and say this. What, what I've encouraged everyone, I said, look, no one ever said America's a Christian, uh, a perfect nation. No nation's ever been perfect. And when it comes to so-called white fragility, it's like, what to be fragile about? If, if forefathers blew certain things, you admit it. You, if there's ongoing stuff, let's deal with it. But see, I've had the benefit of, of hearing conversations like this for years now through listeners and through some of my faithful friends that are texting me daily, like, you're finally getting what we've been saying for 250 years. This is what we need to do. And if, if this triggers further conversations, please let it. Please let this little conversation today trigger deeper conversations, and let's listen first. Pastor Billy, Pastor Shane, thank you for joining us, my brothers. Thank, thank you. you as well. Thank you for having me, Billy. All right, talk to you later. Thank you, Shane. Uh-huh.